focusing on stories and issues impacting Kentucky. This is The Commonwealth Matters. The Commonwealth Matters is a production of the Commonwealth Policy Foundation. We're a nonprofit public policy group that's helping Kentuckians value life, protect natural marriage, defend religious liberty, and promote fiscal integrity. To learn more about our work and find helpful resources, visit commonwealthmatters.org. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. Thanks for joining me for the program. Richard Nelson is with us as we begin to think about uh, the 2018 General Assembly session in review. Richard, it seems like just a minute ago we were recording a program like this and we were looking ahead to the General uh, Assembly session and now it is finished. Time sure does move fast. It, it sure does. Uh, it was a quick General Assembly session. Uh, they dealt with a lot of issues. I, I would say, though, that it's been overshadowed by two big issues, the uh, state pension issue and then also uh, taxes. Uh, but at the same time, many, many good things have happened, Brandon. There have been 787 bills introduced, and many good bills, uh, as I mentioned, uh, that have been overshadowed actually did get uh, enacted into law. Yeah, and so I, I just want to stop there for a second, because what, what you just said is not something that just needs to be kind of a footnote and we keep moving. 787 bills uh, were introduced during this General Assembly session. Um, that, that is a lot uh, to consider. Um, a lot of work has gone into that for our legislators uh, during this process. Uh, as, as you think about that, Richard, I mean, that, that's, a, a, <laughs> that's a ton of potential legislation. It didn't all pass, but it's a, it's a lot of potential legislation. Are there some themes that rise to the surface um, as we look out over all those bills? There, there really is. In fact, there's a thread that runs through many of the high-profile bills, Brandon, and I'll, I'll just rattle off a few of them. One bill dealt with the opioid crisis. Another dealt with human trafficking here in Kentucky. One dealt with uh, child abuse and neglect, uh, revenge porn, um, sexual harassment, uh, sexually transmitted disease education, suicide prevention. Um, these were some of the high-profile bills uh, that were addressed, not all passed into law. But the thread that runs through all of them is that it points to the reality that we live in a Genesis 3 world. And by that, I mean we live in a fallen, broken world. Uh, the other reality is that it points to the need for moral boundaries. And when there is a, a negative effect, uh, uh, an unethical breach or an ethical breach, I should say, in society, people look to the legislature to, uh, to fix the problem. Uh, and in some cases, the legislature can actually address uh, some of these issues in, a, in, a, in the right way. Uh, but in other cases, the, the legislature and, and law really does not reach down to a fundamental level to, to make change. Okay, and so there are a couple of things that, that you just said there. Uh, let me slow them down and, and take, take them apart just a little bit. Um, the first, uh, I think that not only here in Kentucky, but across the United States, um, things have become so political. Um, maybe it's because of social media. Maybe it's because of the mainstream news media. Maybe it's because of the things that are actually going on and coming out of Washington, D.C. and Frankfurt. But it seems that, that, that we see this division, Republicans versus Democrats, and what's going to happen in the fall and in the next election cycle and, and all of those things. But, but, and, and while it's true, that's what we hear a lot. 
there's more to it than that. And there's more to it than conservative and liberal, um, because I think a lot of the pieces of legislation that we saw passed um, here in Kentucky in 2018 were passed in bipartisan fashion, meaning that there were folks on both sides that voted for many of those uh, moral pieces of legislation that, that you mentioned earlier. And I think that that cries out to us even more, um, just that, that thread of that, that Genesis 3 thread that, that you mentioned, um, a, a need to address moral boundaries and moral issues um, in society today. Brandon, I think we're at a, a place in our um, history, if you will, where we're seeing the a real brokenness spill over into the public arena like we've not seen before. The, the drug epidemic, as I mentioned, is one example, but child abuse and neglect is another. Uh, human trafficking, that wasn't an issue uh, five, ten years ago. We really didn't hear a lot about that, but that's right here in Kentucky. And since this brokenness has spilled over into the into the public arena, uh, people look to the legislature to address this. I'm reminded of a, of a proverb um, that speaks about morality at a personal level, and when there's a breakdown at the personal level, it affects what happens in public or in the legislative realm. And the proverb goes like this, when a land transgresses, it has many rulers, but with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. And I think what it's getting to is that if, if there are moral boundaries in an individual life, uh, you're not going to have to have too many rulers or too many laws. In this case, you know, we're talking about uh, over 800, almost 900 bills that have been proposed in our legislature. And uh, there are some areas that the, the legislature can address, but some areas that they just will not reach the level of the human heart. And this comes down to individuals uh, realizing that we live in a moral universe and there are moral boundaries that we need to navigate our lives through. And when we breach those moral boundaries, it affects not just ourselves, but it affects all of society. And so I think there, that, that's the other thing that, that you talked about a moment ago, that, that we don't need to just let pass um, we can be consumed by the fact that, that, that whether it's a good day or a bad day depends on what happens in Washington or in Frankfurt or on the stock market. Um, whether our lives will move forward in a positive way or a negative way is determined in those places. But, but government is not the end-all, be-all solution to all things. Um, and, and we need to, to do more. We, we need to look uh, further within and then we also need to act out on a, on a local level uh, to impact our neighborhoods, our community, um, our commonwealth, uh, to, to try to not, I'm not trying to put down legislation, but, but trying to make sure we understand that, that it's not the catch-all, it's not the end-all, be-all. Brandon, that's really a fantastic point, because I think when you live in a time of moral crisis or serious uh, issues that affect all of us in the public arena, people want a political savior, so to speak. They want a president or a governor or a legislature to fix the problem. They, they want a silver bullet to address the issue, but there's not a silver bullet out there. Uh, it takes uh, people at, a, at the local level to make changes. It takes individuals to make personal changes 
in their own lives. And bottom line is it comes down to us in this country and here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky using the freedoms that we still have. We have freedom of speech that we're exercising right now over the radio. We have freedom of religion. We can worship our Creator freely uh, as our conscience would have us to do. We can we can uh, create civic organizations or be involved with existing civic organizations. We have tremendous freedom right now to change the direction of our culture. We have families to care for. We, you and I are both married. We have wives to love. We have children to nurture and to mentor and to provide for. There are so many other areas that we can impact on a, a practical level. So th- the point is well taken, as you said. Government is not just the only thing we look to, but there are many other ways that we can help to strengthen our culture as well. But at the same time, we don't want to discount the work of our legislators and the legislation that's been passed. And um, Richard, as we think about the issues of life and religious liberty, marriage, fiscal integrity, um, we want to start with one bill that is really important uh, for us here in the Commonwealth, and that was known as House Bill 454. Um, It essentially bans abortions, uh, certain kinds of abortions, after 11 weeks. Um, talk to us a little bit about that legislation, um, and then then we'll touch base on what's going on with it presently. Sure. Brandon, House Bill 454 illustrates just where pro- appropriate legislation comes in and where the, uh, the proper function of government steps in. And this is where uh, protecting the sanctity of human life uh, is involved. This bill, House Bill 454, bans something called dismemberment abortions, a gruesome horrific abortion procedure that would shock the listeners if I were to describe what goes on. Uh, But it bans that type of, of abortion. It also bans all abortions after 11 weeks. And this makes Kentucky really one of the most pro-life states, if not the most pro-life state in the country. The other state close to this was uh, Mississippi. They had a 15-week abortion ban. Well, Kentucky went down to an 11-week abortion ban, which has the practical impact of uh, saving uh, a number uh, of lives. It's in the hundreds. I'm not sure if we know the exact number, but if this legislation uh, is upheld in court, uh, it would have the practical impact of really saving hundreds of lives. And so you, you, you say that about if it's upheld in court. So what we know is that there were a number of uh, Republicans and Democrats that voted for this legislation in the House and in the Senate. Uh, Governor Bevin has signed it into law, but uh, very quickly um, it was challenged and it is being challenged currently by the ACLU here in Kentucky. That's correct. They say the law is unconstitutional, that it infringes on a woman's right to choose and they are challenging it in court. Uh, We'll see what happens. I think that the state has a good case to uphold this law. It's uh, when the judges hear how gruesome this abortion procedure is, and when they understand that uh, this life at 11 weeks and, and younger, even, you know, five, six, seven, eight weeks, you can tell it's a human being. This is not a blob of tissue, but this is a very young and vulnerable human being that our legislature is and our governor are trying to protect in law. And uh, we won't know until later in the year what the outcome will be, but I think that the facts and the truth are on the side of life when it comes to upholding House Bill 454. All right. Well, stay with us for more of the Commonwealth Matters. We're really just getting started, even though the clock is moving quickly um, during this episode. And so, so stay with us. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about some more important legislation passed 
um, here in Kentucky in 2018. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 25:40 tells us, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. Richard Nelson's with me, and we are walking through uh, the 2018 General Assembly session. Now that it has been completed, we are talking about some specific pieces of legislation um, as pertains to the issues of life, religious liberty, marriage, and uh, fiscal integrity. Uh, Richard, one of the things that, that, that we had talked about a lot um, in, in previous years uh, was the foster care and adoption reform that was needed here in Kentucky. And we saw a significant um, piece of legislation come through that will hopefully address many of the things th that are needed to help those 8,000-plus children in Kentucky's foster care system. Yeah, in fact, that was a priority bill. That was House Bill 1, which received huge bipartisan support. Uh, and essentially, it did a number of things. But the, the main thing, Brandon, is that it uh, reduced the number of days that the state can allow a child to be in foster care. And in order to do that, it had to streamline the process. It had to uh, terminate the, the parental rights of deadbeat parents who weren't really interested in that child. A number of other things happened as well to make it easier to adopt a child. Uh, so this was a, a, a major step in the right direction to help reduce the number of kids who are really trapped in foster care. We've heard in some cases they've been in care for two up to three years, bouncing from home to home, and that uh, has been addressed. And uh, I, I'm optimistic that we'll see in the next year or so uh, that number uh, decrease from 8,000, 8,200 or so. Uh, we should see a significant decrease here in, in the near future. Hmm, that's good news. One of the things that, that we try to do is to help folks understand that the issue of life is much more than just um, being pro-life. While that is very significant to us, uh, we, we want people to think about the, the entire scope of life. 
And while that certainly includes what we just talked about with foster care and adoption reform, uh, Richard, it would also uh, be extended to those who are victims of crimes. And we saw um, an important piece of legislation passed very early in the session. Um, but but it's, it's worth coming back to uh, because it's significant, but also because Kentuckians are going to vote on that. It's called Marcy's Law. Yeah, and essentially Marcy's Law gives crime victims in Kentucky certain rights. Uh, for example, if, uh, if a criminal who's in jail uh, is up for parole, the crime victim or the family of that crime victim would be notified. Uh, if that criminal is about to be let out of jail on early release somehow, uh, that crime victim has to be notified. There are a number of things that take into consideration uh, those who have been affected by crime, and it elevates their rights, at least to, to the same plane, of uh, a convicted person's uh, rights, a criminal's rights. And this issue, Marcy's Law, uh, did pass with bipartisan support in, in both chambers, uh, and it will be on the ballot in the November election. So this is an opportunity for voters across the state to weigh in when it comes to whether or not crime victims in the Commonwealth should have rights. Hmm. Another piece of legislation we want to talk about, we're shifting categories now to the area of of marriage, um, and it has to do with uh, Kentucky's public schools, with uh, sex education classes that are taught within Kentucky's public schools. Um, Senator Stephen Meredith uh, introduced a piece of legislation that that made its way through both houses and was passed in a a bipartisan fashion, Um, and it it is to help... uh, I want to say promote, but really it's just to maintain that the idea of abstinence uh, remains in sex education courses um, in Kentucky. Yeah, you know, it's a very simple bill. It's not even a full page long. And the bottom line is it says that if there is a sex ed curriculum in Kentucky schools, whether it's middle school or high school, it says that you will teach that abstinence until marriage is the expected standard. Which, uh, that's, that's a standard, Brandon, that generations before us were taught. You're supposed to wait until you're married to engage in sexual activity. Well, this actually puts it into law and makes it clear that this is what teachers, health teachers, uh, science teachers, biology teachers, whoever's teaching sex ed, that they will teach abstinence until marriage uh, is the standard that will be taught to our public school students. The other thing is, is it teaches that marriage is between a man and a woman. And that point in itself might have uh, sparked some controversy as, as uh, we've seen. That might have been even more controversial than the abstinence before marriage. Hmm. Um, uh, in, a, in a related measure, um, not necessarily related to Kentucky's high schools or sex education, but related to the area of marriage, uh, comes a piece of legislation um, on revenge porn. Uh, making it a, um, a crime for folks to use digital images without permission of the other person to put that on social media, to text it, to email it, to share it in any way. Um, that, that I think in the day and age that we're living in, that that's a significant piece of legislation um, here in Kentucky. It is. It speaks to something that I don't know if it's widely known, and it may be shocking, but uh, with the smartphones and with the digital technology we have, people can take snapshots uh, or videos 
of pornographic images of often, in in this uh, case that we're talking about, of a significant other. And if there's a breakup or if there's a feud or something, what we're seeing happen more and more is that people are posting these very inappropriate pictures on Facebook or Twitter uh, or Snapchat, uh, which is, as you can imagine, very uh, harmful, uh, very shameful to the other person that uh, has this has this done to them. Uh, one thing I, we just need to talk about this that this is another uh, should be a, a clear indication to us. It should be clear to us, Brandon, that there's some things that we just shouldn't do. Taking pornographic pictures of somebody else on your smartphone is just, there's, it leads to a lot of problems. And so now the legislature is dealing with it and we have something, legislation, actually a bill that's passed that would restrict revenge porn. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, um, uh, things like this uh, connect back to what we were talking about in the opening segment about moral boundaries, um, about the, the need for those to be established. Because really, when, uh, when I think about a piece of legislation like this, that phrase common sense comes to mind because there is a simple way to not have to deal with this issue, and that is to keep your clothes on when people are taking pictures of you. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's good common sense advice. And it's something that our young people need to hear because they are the ones growing up uh, without the moral boundaries that even you and I had. So they need to be told, hey, don't, don't do this. this. There's no good that will come from this. So uh, now we're at a place where the legislature is, uh, has addressed it. And it is criminal activity now. If you post uh, nude photographs of somebody else without their permission, uh, you could be prosecuted under the law. Uh, Richard, we're coming down to our last few minutes here in the program. Um, is there another piece of legislation uh, that, that you'd specifically like to, to point out? Yeah, you know, I, I do want to talk about some bad proposals that were defeated. Uh, there was one bill, Senate Bill 80, that would have legalized the recreational use of marijuana, and it was done under the auspices of raising new tax revenue. And uh, as, as you and I know, and the listeners know, we have a revenue shortfall here in Kentucky. We're in a, we're in a time of, of fiscal austerity, and legislators are looking for new ways to raise uh, taxes or bring in more revenue. Uh, this bill to legalize recreational pot uh, did not pass. I think that's good news. I think legislators saw that that is not the way to, uh, to raise money. Um, on, in a similar vein... There was an attempt to legalize casino gambling in Kentucky and uh, to tax it and to raise revenue through that. And none of those casino gambling uh, proposals passed into law. And that speaks to the wisdom, I think, of our legislature. Uh, They've said this is not the way to raise money. So I think those are some positives that we've seen, the bad legislation proposed by a few individuals that ended up not passing into law. And I think that that we need to, let's just go back to that for a second and kind of restate it because that, that is really important. I think that what you said, that the legislature in Kentucky made a loud statement that expanded gambling is not the way to turn our economy around. Um, I think all of the uh, back and forth over pension reform, over the budget, over tax reform, I mean, that really speaks volumes, whether you agree with what they did or not, it speaks volumes to the fact that they believe restructuring the infrastructure is a way, is the way to, to, to turn things around um, financially here in Kentucky. 
That's right. And, and Brandon, it, it means, you know, there were a handful of people that did propose those things, but the majority of legislators in Frankfurt were opposed to those bad ideas. They, they look like easy fixes, easy ways to bring in revenue, but the majority uh, didn't see that as, as the wise path for Kentucky to take. And I'm very, very glad to see that happen. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to CommonwealthPolicyFoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. In this episode, we've taken a look at a few of the bills passed by the 2018 General Assembly session. Along the way, we've talked about how we must not look to government as the ultimate source of morality or fulfillment. In that conversation, um, I was reminded of an article from Chuck Colson. In it, he says this, Modern societies have fallen prey to what political writer Jacques Ellul calls the political illusion, the idea that government is actually capable of creating the good life, the good society. It's a form of idolatry, he says, which treats the state as a god. But like all idols, the state inevitably disappoints those who worship at its shrine. A government that can't even manage the simple accounting task of balancing its budget is certainly not capable of making people's lives rich and full. And it was never meant to, Colson goes on to say. Biblically speaking, government is simply one of the many social structures ordained by God each with a specific task to do. The job of the state is to promote justice and restrain evil. The hope that it can do more than that, that it can make people happy or fulfilled, is doomed by failure and disappointment. There's only one way to make life rich and full, not by turning to government, but by turning to God, he says. The kingdoms of this world rise and fall, but the kingdom of God will rule in human hearts for eternity. Let's all heed these helpful words from Charles Colson.
Find us online at commonwealthmatters.org or go to Facebook and look for Commonwealth Policy. At either of those destinations, you'll be able to find this program and we sure hope you'll consider sharing it with others once you find it. Thanks for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. For Richard Nelson, I'm Brandon Porter.